Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What is up, fellas? Welcome back to Convos Over Cold Brew with me, your host, Emma Abrahamson. Today, we are back on the podcast with Philly Bowden. She is a runner from Great Britain. I would also classify her as a YouTuber now, which is exciting. She grew up in the UK. She ended up running at Oregon for a few years to do a graduate program. I was never on the team with her, actually. She came in right after me, but we talk about that in today's episode. We talk about her journey onto YouTube and so much more. So I hope you guys enjoy today's episode. Also, before we get into the episode, I would love it if you guys rated and reviewed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen, because it is a free way to support the podcast, and it seriously helps keep me motivated with the podcast, just knowing, you know, people are out there loving it and just hearing your guys' thoughts on it. So if you go and rate and review, it literally takes like 15 seconds. It means the world to me. Now let's get into today's episode with Philly. All right, Philly, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have you on. We've never talked before, but I've seen you, you know, all over social media um, as fellow, you know, Oregon, Oregon athletes. Well, yes, I, but... I feel like I'm so old. Um, and then also YouTuber. So I'm excited. I feel like we're going to have a lot to chat about. But before we get started, do you want to just give us a little bit of a rundown of who you are and what you're about? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, who am I? Uh, well, I've been running for, I don't know, forever. It feels like <laughs> not really, but yeah, I guess, um, yeah, started running over in the UK, went to uni over here and figured out that I needed to run more and get better at it. And then managed to get a couple of GB vests, head over to Oregon for my, uh, master's grad student, um, grandma of the team. And then, uh, yeah, since then, I, I came back, God, when did I come back to the UK? Uh, end of 2019, um, been working full time since then, still doing the running thing. Uh, and yeah, I guess I started a YouTube channel earlier this year, also a coach now. I don't know how I fit everything in. That's, uh, that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh, so you were full time and you do all of the like running and social media stuff? Pretty much a nine to five, Monday to Friday, like 40 hours a week, oh squeeze the running in. It, like sandwiching work and then basically yeah figuring out my life the rest of the time oh my gosh I like that makes me feel like a little weenie you know sometimes I'm like oh my gosh I don't have enough time in the day and then, meanwhile I'm here only doing social media stuff but <laughs> that's cool um how did you get into running um I feel like I like had the opportunity to get into it like younger than I did and then for whatever reason like just I, I was a very extracurricular kid. Like I was interested in anything up other than being in the classroom. Um, so when I was in like primary school in the UK, um, I guess I was like nine or 10. Um, I like, they came around the classroom and was like, they want to come and run around the football pitch like three times to see if they want to like do cross country. And I was like, hmm, that sounds better than maths. So <laughs> yeah, like a little tryout. <laughs> yeah. I went and did that. Um, 
and then I think I joined the after school club when I was at secondary school um when I was like 13 and then the coach was also like the local athletics club coach and just said to me and my best friend at the time um like you should come down like you guys are all right I guess <laughs> so we we came down to the local athletics club and I've not stopped since then yeah geez you've been on a roll so what part what part of the UK are you from uh so it's the southeast I live like at the moment like I'm about an hour west of London um, which is pretty near to where I grew up like I live like 20 minutes from where I grew up as a kid so pretty close to London okay how was the running out there like how was the running culture I don't know anything about the UK pretty much I've only talked to a couple people that like live in the UK about their experience running out there because I'm always curious about people that come like to the states to run in college from like somewhere else you know but I didn't have any teammates that were from the UK so I'm always interested in hearing about other people's experience yeah I mean it's very different to I mean I guess in this in the US like I assume anyway like there's sort of like different sort of microcultures of like running cultures in different areas and I feel like very fortunate to have experienced like the Oregon running culture because I feel like maybe that's kind of unique um but yeah it's good I suppose we kind of have that here as well like there's sort of more concentrated areas where there's sort of like a good a good like running university that people tend to go to and then people just kind of like stick around in that area and like congregate there for the sort of I guess like people that are around to run with but um yeah obviously the system is like totally different like you don't sort of really run for your school really although that's sort of how I got into it it was very like I put my like football kit on and like my PE kit to go and like run around the field um it's all like done by club systems so like all of the coaches are pretty much volunteered like there's not really much money in it you pay like 130 pounds to like have a club membership for the year and then you could do kind of like competitions up and down the country like from the age of like nine or ten I think man so did you have like a coach off the bat yeah 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 so it was actually that coach that so he volunteered for the after school like cross country club and he was the coach down at the track as well at at the club um so he like suggested we came down and he was my first coach um and really just like a a coach that like encouraged like just racing for the fun of it and like there's no pressure because you're literally there because that's like the sport that you've chosen to do rather than you know asking to go and play like hockey or like anything else that like I don't know you want to pursue because it's all totally like just you decide to do it rather than I don't know it sounds like in high school like you have all these opportunities to like kind of try out different sports like in the states and then kind of compete within the school system but we don't have that so it's kind of like if you're interested in it go and join the club but if you're not like there was no one there that like wasn't enjoying it basically so it's like a really sort of fun environment yeah were you good right off the bat or was it I guess no. <laughs> I, I, was so bad. I feel like I feel like a lot of really good runners like they're not that good to start off with and then they get more serious you know as they get become like I don't know 13 14 15 whatever so yeah, yeah what was what was your experience runner. like yeah so I feel like you can do that as a distance runner like you can't I don't know because you can train and like just build up your aerobic engine and like get better but like you can't Uh, it sounds like I'm not saying that like it's faking it but like as in if you're a sprinter and you're good at sprinting like you have some natural speed and then you kind of like train that but like there's no way that you could have trained the hell out of me to like run the 100 it was just never gonna happen yeah (laughs) so yeah everyone has their natural like abilities you know yeah yeah but like I don't know I'd say like I was probably very average like um I was able to like 
qualify for my county and represent my county at like uh, English schools nationals on the cross country um, but I never qualified for track it was a lot harder to get get there for track and I was just not like not quick enough but they took like eight people per age group for cross country so I was like yeah I'm, I'm in yeah. <laughs> on this one um, but I kind of like I kind of like that I wasn't great as a kid like I was never like anywhere near competing for medals or anything I, I think I came like 100th at my last English schools out of like probably like four or 500 kids so mm. like average-ish I think. So when did you start getting good? Uh, so it was once I went to university over here um, in London I, I got a new coach that was actually not through my university but like a nearby university um, and he's coached loads of like GB athletes and like just sort of really knows what he's doing um, and took me under his wing and sort of basically just gave me more volume and like more training I think I was just very like under trained um like I was probably doing like two workouts a week and like a few half an hour runs at that point so he was like okay yeah like a lot of my volume just like doubled basically so I was like "Hmm, okay this is what I should have been doing um and then it just like I got better like pretty quickly so like before that did he see like promise in you or were you did you like reach out to him so yeah yeah so so I connected to him through my boyfriend at the time who was at that university and who was coached by him so I ended up like going over there for training um but yeah I remember like the first time I sat down and like had a coffee with him because I was like oh like I'm gonna ask if I can like jump in on the sessions and then like probably be coached by him uh and I'd just done a race like a regional like south of England race and was like talking about it and stuff and I was like yeah like I was like pretty happy with how I did like my time was similar to last year he just like completely shot me down and was like yeah you're not running it anywhere near your potential like I thought it was like pretty average I was like cool (laughs) so like harsh in like uh like supportive way I'd say in the sense that he was like you know you've got untapped potential so I kind of just like believed that and went with it yeah I mean I feel like there is a big importance in having a coach that believes in you and your potential yeah for sure because like how are you going to see that in yourself like because you're just Mm -hmm. living your own little life every day so how would you even know what your potential really is I feel like you kind of need that authority figure to tell you that like you can do more you know yeah and it I mean it meant a lot coming from him because like I knew who he was like he's coached like a load of Olympians and like known like in this part of the UK as well like his name is well known so um I was like okay if he thinks that then like there must be something there yeah do you represent you your university at all or is it just club running yeah so there's like one main competition really which is called Bucks which is the British University like championships basically um so you'll have that for like cross country outdoor and indoor but like that's the only time that you basically like cross with other universities and then there'll be like little leagues like we were part of like a London colleges league um but they were like just really sort of I don't know grassroots style meets where you wouldn't even have like a race number and it would just be like 8k and the girls and guys would go off at the same time and it would just be like a sort of you'd use it as a workout really um yeah you you'd more be like competing for your club throughout the year um even whilst you're at university okay and then your coach just kind of like tells you when to race (laughs) yeah pretty much like you follow like a pretty standard like um calendar that like repeats every year if you're sort of like 
more of a long distance like 5k 10k person you always do the cross-country season like don't really do the indoor which is what I did um you'd sort of like it yeah it just was like a pretty typical structure like there'll be we have these things called the road relays that are like at the start of the autumn um and there before like the cross-country meets and then it'll go through like um south of England champs national champs inter-county champs um and then like there's one big like cross challenge league that people will do um and then yeah track is a bit different I feel like you sort of enter races that like you're motivated to do like dependent on what you're trying to get out of it so like if you're trying to get a PB or like get into like really fast races then you'll enter like a lot of the time we have these races called British Milers Club meets um and they're all paced like athletes from elsewhere in Europe or even some of the Australians when they're over here for like their season will enter those races so they're like pretty good standard and they'll see them and stuff um but yeah and then you can do like the same thing so like re region champs like south of England national champs and stuff and obviously you have to qualify to get to like British championships but um yeah that's when you'll like target those races to get a time and stuff you can really just sort of pick and choose what you want to do that's so crazy because it's just so different than like the States. I feel like everything is just so structured, but to have yeah. that, like in college, I mean, you know, obviously running in the States, everything, like you don't have any choice basically of anything. <laughs> you just follow the structure and there's specific meets every year that you have to do. So that's really interesting. I can't yeah, imagine yeah. doing that. Like when I was like 18, I feel like that would be really overwhelming, but it's probably just something that everyone over there is used to, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, when did you like, start racing internationally representing great britain uh so the first time was in um 2017 i think yeah so it was like the winter season um i qualified for oh no it wasn't no it was the summer so i qualified the first one i qualified for was in the summer was for um the under 23 european championships uh in the 10k um so when did that in gosh in Poland and then the following like that that corresponding like cross-country season I did the same thing qualified for the cross-country team for Europeans for under 23s um and then yeah I think 2018 as well I did the great Edinburgh cross-country which is like such a cool race um it's like USA v Europe v Great Britain I don't know why like we get our own team and then Europe like have their own like continent team we think we're good enough to like just challenge the, the rest of the continent but it's a I cool feel like you guys are though <laughs> yeah I guess I don't know it's a weird one yeah is that race that cross-country race is that the like, really hard one like is that I don't I don't remember I feel like there's just one race that happens often where yeah people from the U.S. come to yeah it's in Edinburgh, Edinburgh or whatever and it's so hard or something I don't know yeah, I don't know if they do it anymore. I feel like they moved the location, but yeah, it was up in like the like I think it's Holyrood Park, and like it's just like super hilly, and there's like massive like you can call them puddles, but like looks like more like a cross country water jump you have to jump over. Um, yeah, pretty savage. Is that what like <laughs> is that what like European cross country racing is like? Because <laughs> um, what I know, US, it's like. I mean, you know, it was like grass tracks, basically. Yeah. Yeah, we don't we don't race on golf courses at all over here. It's um, it's a lot more like that. I mean, it can vary. I did one a few weeks ago in Cardiff that was like pretty comparable to like the US courses I've run on, like like nicely trimmed grass. It hadn't been wet. And so it was like pretty fast. Um, But like the Bucks, like British Unis champs, for example, the last time I did it, um, my uni actually hosted it 
and we literally ran through a river <laughs> like down the verge through the river and up the hill um and like all the students were like congregating because it got really muddy uh and like the men's race this guy like ran part way up the hill out of the river and then like slid all the way down <laughs> it was so dramatic <laughs> Oh it was my amazing. Gosh, that's like something that people see on TikTok, and they're like, "Cross country runners are crazy." <laughs> yeah, literally. Savage. Oh my gosh, that's funny. So, was there something like in your training that you did that where you like just started getting really good, or was it just like you said the volume increased, and then you just started seeing like that payoff, or was there like a specific year or anything that you did? I think it was mostly the volume, like both in the runs and in the sessions. Um, like my long run was probably like like an hour before I got to uni so like I was 18 and just running for an hour which probably just wasn't enough I was probably running it super slow as well um and then yeah I mean I I actually was doing three sessions a week which is like pretty typical structure for like the club system like you'll meet your club and do like a Tuesday Thursday evening session and then one at the weekend um I don't do that anymore but I think that sort of like got me really fit like really quickly because it's like a lot of intensity and then just like loads of miles sort of around that um and I don't know I don't think it was like crazy volume I just I probably was running like 30 miles a week when I got to university and then he you know got a new coach and he was like what are you doing like <laughs> you need to be doing like at least 50 or 55 so I was like yeah oh, especially okay. if you're like running like the 10k or something like that like 30 miles yeah. a week, he's gonna cut it at that level like a third of my miles on a race day <laughs> yeah, exactly okay that makes sense so then, okay, I want to talk about Oregon. Like why, first of all, why did you decide to go to the States and then why Oregon as well? Yeah, um, once I started getting better at uni over here, like through the years, I kind of like gained an awareness of like the US system and like friends that I knew that had either gone out there as an undergrad or gone out there um, as a graduate um, and sort of like spoke to them like about it. And I kind of like, even just like watching videos on YouTube and stuff and just seeing like how different it was. Um, and I became like obsessed with like the NCAA cross country meet because I would just watch it and be like, this is like another level. Like it just looked so exciting and so like competitive. Um, I just thought like along with that, like I didn't really know what I wanted to do after uni. Like I didn't really want to get a job straight away. So I was like, hmm, if I stay in the UK and like just finish my undergrad, get a degree, then like I've kind of got nothing to lose by going out there and doing a master's. Um, so I kind of knew probably like halfway through my degree that I was going to do it. So I thought like I could plan, um, plan ahead and like just like do some research about where I wanted to go. And then, yeah, kind of like reached out to some coaches and stuff and got the ball rolling to kind of like, yeah. I, I mean, I got I got I started getting messages from coaches as well and then spoke to a couple of people who were out there that said, like, you don't just have to wait for them to like contact you. Like you can look for the place that you want to go and then reach out to them and like kind of do it that way. So, yeah. I just sort of did that. So who else were you talking to? It's, it's actually funny because I didn't I didn't talk to Oregon. I wasn't going to go there because um, I you committed die, to San so. Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Like, yeah, I, I wanted to be like super prepared and like really suss out the places I was going to because it's like such a big change. Um, but I actually only visited like Boise State and San Francisco. Um, I can't remember who else I was talking to. I think it was like, there was a couple of coaches that like reached out to me that I like kind of spoke to to just kind of like improve my knowledge on what I needed to do and what the system was like I think like I was talking to Lamar um I honestly can't remember but yeah I visited Boise and uh San Francisco and then committed to San Fran which was um 
obviously then the coach moved to Oregon and like through a series of events like I ended up then being able to go to Oregon because of like the movements and stuff um and I was like oh I just really hope this works out because I'd visited you know two places that were like my experience at the visits were like polar opposites and I just really didn't want to go out to the place that I'd never been to and then hate it but um yeah, yeah oh my gosh was, Boise um, City and San Francisco like two really <laughs> completely different worlds <laughs> yeah and like the teams were so different as well like I just I pretty much knew instantly like because I went to San Francisco first and then went to Boise um and like probably they knew as well like I, I think I got picked up by the assistant coach and he was like how was your trip and I was like yeah it was so good <laughs> like, wait, wait, like, wait so the Boise was. State coach picked you up and you're like oh my god it was amazing (laughs) like pretty much and then I like realized and like tried to like tone it down a bit but like just could not have been a more different experience (laughs) what did you like about San Francisco um I I liked that it was a cool place and that there was stuff going on um and like I got on really well with the team they had quite a few Europeans so I feel like they just kind of like understood the differences and stuff I feel like Um, their team from what I know was like only people that weren't from the U.S. that's like all I know about San Francisco back then I was like none of those people are from the U.S. so that that was like comforting though to like be on a team with so many people that aren't from here kind of a bit of both like I kind of thought it was it would be a bit strange like because obviously like you want to like meet people that are like from the U.S. as well and like hear about how you know how they've had like different experiences and stuff but um yeah I just my I got lost my suitcase on the visit as well so like I had to borrow all of their clothes and stuff which was not ideal but like they were just so nice about it and I feel like you know if that happens and you feel comfortable then like it's probably quite a good place um and just like how it was like a smaller team, like it wasn't really super flashy. Um, and then I went to Oregon. So yeah, like, <laughs> I literally got there and was like, just like need to like catch my jaw because I just looked at the facilities and was like, oh my God. That's literally, I, I've never actually like visited USF's campus at all, but I can just imagine like, especially because of being in San Francisco, like San Francisco's a major city obviously Eugene Oregon is not so they have a lot more land to build on I'm like the facility is probably just so different compared to Oregon I I feel like we were like warming up to go for a run on my visit and we were like lying on the floor like in the like foyer area of like this random building (laughs) it was like yeah it was very different yeah so you decided not to go to San Francisco though and then you decided to go to Oregon instead I'm assuming just because of the coach, but like, why did you decide not to stay with your decision? Yeah, so, so yeah, yeah. So I committed to to USF, and then um, like Helen, the coach, called me up to say that she'd got the job at Oregon, and was like, you know, like sad that she wouldn't be able to coach me, but trusted that like the assistant coach who was staying on would be like a great fit. And I'd spoken to him mostly, so I was like happy with that, and I was like, okay, that's fine. Um, and then he ended up leaving as well. <laughs> um to actually go to Boise and I was like oh crap um that's really like really weird coincidence swapped as well so a Boise State coach came in like a different coach who I hadn't really met while I was out there because they had loads of coaches for some reason um so then he was like messaging me with all this like uh, you know you should still come to USF I'm the right coach for you and I was like dude I've never met you (laughs) I'm the um, right coach for you I swear even though we don't know each other (laughs) yeah um so I just like it was really stressful and I didn't know what to do and then like 
I contacted Helen to be like, you know, what is going on? Because after I found out that the assistant coach was leaving, um, like she told me that he was definitely staying on. So I was like kind of pissed. <laughs> um, and like, obviously she didn't know that at the time. And then she was like, like, leave it with me, see what I can do. And then because of like the girls that left the team in Oregon, I think like, cause some of them went to Washington like the way that things moved around they could offer me like nearly a full scholarship so I just took that and was like you know I'd rather go there where like I've met the coach and also it's Oregon so yeah it. I was like oh my god I was like I wonder what the scholarship difference is because like you know people the not that many people get are getting like full rides at Oregon you know even if yeah. you're born I feel like I don't know people get a good amount but there's probably a big difference with the scholarship money compared to USF and Oregon a lot of the time yeah so that is interesting but that makes sense I mean there was so much movement that year that was 2018 right yeah so I arrived in 2018 okay yeah so yeah you came out to, you you know you went to Oregon <laughs> what was first of all your initial reaction to everything and then I guess like take us through what your expectations were and like what surprised you I guess about it yeah I mean I feel like I, like when I got there I was just like I don't know like in disbelief a little bit because everything had just like got messed up so many times like I, I didn't believe it was going to happen until like actually landed and then like landed in Eugene airport and was like oh damn like I'm here um and then yeah just I don't know I didn't have any expectations for like Eugene as a place so I was just like you know like taking it all in was like oh this is quite a unique place um like nothing like I've ever like anywhere I've ever been um and then yeah like the facilities were a lot different from what I'd seen like in, at USF I mean Boise State have like quite a lot of space and stuff um obviously Hayward was like shut down the whole time I was there like I never like we never had a track basically oh my um, gosh yeah you got that you had like the worst I had the worst yeah, yeah it was a building site the whole time I'd like cycle past it every day and be like you know it's yeah that yeah. was sad and you were posted up at South Eugene yeah South Eugene and uh we'd use lane sometimes as well yeah um yeah that was sad um but yeah like expectations like I don't know I felt like I was much more of like a smaller fish like than I would have been at another at another school like definitely felt like the bar was like set pretty high like obviously like I was on the team with like Jess Hull and Carmela who were like killing it um, and a couple of the girls that came over from USF like that first year that I was there we had such a good team um, so yeah a lot of pressure but like I was just really excited to be there especially for like the first couple of semesters I think that took a while to like just settle in and like for me to like realize that I was there and just to kind of get used to it um, but yeah, and I just love Eugene as a place. Like when I first got there, I was like, this is where I need to be. Like, I don't ever want to go to the UK. Like <laughs> I could have just seen myself like staying out there because it was just like such a cool place and like culturally just so different from like what you get over here. So um, yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. Well, how was, you were there for two years then? Just under, yeah. So I had eligibility to be there for two years, which is wild because I was at, university for four years in the UK but like when you've run for like your country you, you can like there's like a loophole that means you can get a year back or something um so I had two years of eligibility but I ended up uh, finishing my program which was a one-year program so my second year was going to be like a super light load um but I ended up finishing it in a year and then just the first semester coming home at Christmas um rather than staying out there for the 
the full year and then like coincided with COVID so like I was kind of glad that I did that in hindsight as well obviously I didn't know that COVID was around the corner um That's but like running just one disguise though yeah literally I mean the, the only like FOMO I had from leaving was that I knew like Hayward was going to open and I was like really sad that I wasn't going to be able to like use it and we'd just been like living out of the cars for the whole year and like had no space <laughs> um but yeah like running just wasn't going very well and I'd like just got into a place where I just like really wasn't happy while I was out there um like having kind of issues with eating that had come back from when I was younger and it was like all just like in a really intense environment where I felt like I couldn't prioritize that so yeah came home at Christmas and just kind of like went back to to basics and it was sad like I was sad to leave the team because like that was the the best part of being out there like the girls and stuff I just like that was yeah I made some really good friends on the team yeah brief little intermission here to talk about one of my favorite sponsors of the podcast as well as just one of my favorite products for runners Koros. I wear the Koros Pace 2 premium GPS watch every time I go out for a run. If you're looking for a GPS watch or someone that you know is, the Pace 2 is for sure the way to go. It's also the holiday season, so I feel like now is the perfect time to gift someone a GPS watch. If you've had a friend or a family member that's wanted a GPS watch for a while, the Koros Pace 2 would seriously make the perfect gift. It's super easy to use, so you can use it basically if you're any level of runner. You press two buttons and then you're basically off and running and syncing from the watch to the app and Strava is automatic and instant, so it's foolproof. And someone like me who, you know, I'm not a tech wizard. It's so easy to use. I recommend it to everyone. Also, the battery life is incredible. You guys know I talk about it all the time, but I've used so many GPS watches and the Coros Pace 2 has the most incredible battery life. I don't know how they do it, but it survives for days without being charged, which is a huge benefit, especially if you travel a lot like me. Like I said, it's the holiday season and right now Coros is giving combos over cold brew listeners a sweet deal. You go to koros.com and use code coldbrew for a free accessory with the watch purchase. Just add the accessory like a band, a charger, a piece of apparel to the cart before checking out, and then you apply the code coldbrew to get that accessory for free. What an awesome gift to give, a GPS watch and an accessory. I feel like that's just the perfect combination. So go to koros.com and use code coldbrew. Now let's get back into today's episode with Philly. How did you like make that decision though to like not finish out your eligibility? Cause I'm sure that was like a hard conversation also with like Helen and stuff. Yeah. I, I didn't finish my eligibility either. I had another season outdoor season and like half of indoors that I just decided I couldn't um, do it anymore. I was, yeah. I was so burnt out. I like had to stop. Um, and I know like those conversations were, and like just decision to stop and like, yeah. whatever was like super hard, but how, how was that for you? Yeah, like it was difficult to, I mean, like it was difficult to like communicate that with the coaching staff, obviously, but like, I think I just kind of came to the realization that like running hadn't sort of met my expectations or their expectations pretty much for the whole time I'd been out there. And like, that was pretty exhausting, like mostly going to races and like trying to build myself up for a good performance and like it just not working out. Um, and I think like there was a few things going on there, like the training was super different to what I'd done before and like I built myself up to like quite high volume before I went out there and then kind of like that had reduced quite a bit and I just don't think it kind of suited what I needed which really? then like I, I don't feel know like everyone that I talked to because I left right before you got there like I was done in 2018 whatever and everyone said because I, I was still being coached by Marisa everyone said that when Helen came in that everyone was working out like way more than when than when Marisa was there 
So it's funny yeah, I don't know. hearing your viewpoint where you feel like it was reduced. Workout wise, because I was coming from like that structure where it was like three workouts a week. So I went down to two workouts a week, which was still like pretty good quality, but the intensity had obviously reduced. Um, and I feel like my mileage came down a little bit as well. Although like I was running, probably running longer for my long runs, but like, it was like, oh, I, I pretty much always had a rest day a week, but back home, I'd probably rest like once a month, which I'm not saying is a good thing. But, oh my gosh, I would go like, insane. <laughs> that was the kind of structure I was in. So, so yeah, I guess like kind of came to the realization that anything that I thought was going to change that was going to lead to like running turning to being like a positive experience with the racing and stuff and that had also like not become the priority by that point because like it impacted my mental health so much so I was just like there's so much pressure in this environment and like I feel like running is the most important thing but at this point in time like I need to be the most important thing so the only way that I saw that I could do that was like by you know like not being in that environment because I just felt like I needed to kind of like yeah put myself first and come home and like be in my kind of like support network because obviously you've got your teammates and like your friends out there and stuff but when you're like you know on the other side of the world and an eight hour time difference away from people like if something like if I was upset or like I had like a really bad day in the evening like there was just no one I could call from home which like really sucked so yeah what was impacting your mental health the most like do you think it was just the pressure of like needing to perform all the time or was it like not having enough other stuff going on because I mean obviously I went to Oregon I know like school for me was pretty easy so like I wasn't focused on school really it was really just running and I didn't have a social life so I feel like that impacted me but what do you think was like making it I guess just difficult I think like a huge part of it was pressure which is partly like from my part putting pressure on myself and like partly from from the team and the staff like that you know you go out there with like I, I had the fastest 10k PR on the team like I was expected to like just hit the ground running as a grad student and like you know score for the team and I was like ba- barely getting like sixth or seventh on the cross-country squad um, and like I saw that as well and like felt like it was like glaringly obvious to everyone um, so there was that and then I think as well like I don't know like the reason why it wasn't working was kind of always like turned around on me that like maybe I wasn't like putting in that much effort or like I was giving up in races or like not really buying into it which I think as soon as that conversation starts like it sows that seed of doubt in your head and then you start to think like oh my god it is my fault or like you just I don't know I'm a very like self-reflective person anyway so like almost don't need someone to do that because then like just like sitting there going into this like intense like think cave that just never ends well yeah um so there was a lot of that I think and it just like was compounded by just being like you know the races just come so thick and fast so you kind of like can't escape that kind of like decompress from it so yeah I don't know and I think it's difficult going out there as a grad student as well because although you're like older so maybe you're more like physically developed and ready to like attack the training there's like no time to adjust you have like one full year or two years and like a short amount of time to make an impact so you're expected to just like get it right because you almost like don't have the time to really slip up so I think um that was pretty difficult as well yeah it was like it's a shame because like in one on one side like it was a really good positive experience because like I just had such a great time and like such good memories but like for the main reason you go out there like for running not to work out like that was a shame but yeah 
I mean, like you said, I feel like for grad student, I mean, again, because I was on the Oregon team, so I saw it. I think it's different from people that come from different schools in the States, like being a grad student, because they're already used to like the NCAA mm. system and how everything works. I feel like it just is a different experience than someone coming from, you know, a different country where they're not used to what, and they're yeah. not used to anything basically. So you have so much to learn. Like, yeah. And it's like hard to have the same expectation for someone that's foreign coming in from some versus someone that's coming from like a school two hours away or something, you know? So yeah, that makes a lot of sense, but I don't know. Also touching on what you said, I feel like people see Oregon from the outside and they're like, Oh my God, like everything's perfect. Everything's pristine. And I feel, I really do think it takes a specific type of person to be like really successful at Oregon, especially if you're mm-hmm. coming in like as a grad student to do it in like a very short amount of time. Like you have to have like a really good head on your shoulders because yeah. like there is like a lot of pressure that's put on you um at like a very young age I mean even when I came in as a freshman whatever I feel like it was already like the standard was being set and there's not really that much time to adjust because everything happens so fast so I feel like you just really need a good head on your shoulders um yeah and you have to be like very self-motivated I guess I don't know like yeah, I want to sure. classify it as a developmental program maybe they get mad at me for saying that but like I yeah don't know. I feel like you kind of have to take matters into your own hands a lot of the time and I, I think know. as well like see like probably at any school in the division one is like going to be a shock to the system from for someone from the UK because like it's not like you know walking uh, like a mile down to your local athletics club that like the fence is falling down and the coach doesn't get paid and doesn't really you know if you quit they wouldn't really care <laughs> like they don't yeah. get paid or they're not like a bonus isn't riding on your performance and stuff so I think there's like yeah, just a lot that's different. I mean, like I didn't even do like weights or like any strength and conditioning before I got to Oregon. So I'd be like asking for like these really long, long runs and to up my mileage. But in the weight room, I'd be like with the freshman, like playing with this wooden stick and Rad just like hanging his head in like wooden stick doing your overhead. Just like no strength at all. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I like... I wish we overlapped. I feel like that would have been fun. I don't know. I feel like the team changed so much after I left, like, cause obviously new coach and then there's so many people left and new people came in. I feel like it was just very different. It was just interesting hearing like, you know, people like Carmela who I was on the team with or Jess's experience dealing with like coaching changes and stuff. I don't know. Now I don't they follow said it- college running at all, but. <laughs> they said it was a lot different from like the team before and like I loved hearing about like yeah just like the stories from before and like meeting a few people that had been on the team um like Ali and um Sarah um yeah it was just I don't know it was inspiring to like be on the team with people like Jess and Carmela as well as being like super intimidating because they're just like crazy good yeah um yeah yeah so you okay so you left Oregon and you went back home and then what? Like, how did you readjust? Did you still enjoy running at that time? Not really. I think for, for a while, like, I really didn't like it because, like, it just become, like, a negative thing, which is really sad because it had always been, like, something that I loved doing. Um, I was also injured when I got home. So, like, my <laughs> my experience ended with, like, me traveling to nationals for the cross country, thinking I was going to run, doing pre-meet, and then being traded out for our, like, traveling reserve because I was just like so injured I shouldn't even have traveled really oh my God. Sh- what, what did I you have like a stress fracture no it was like a hip flexor like injury that like I I couldn't like drive my legs very quickly like so 
once I got into my running I was fine but I couldn't get off the line so I raced regionals and was just like at the back and then had to like work my way through I think I ended Which up is being, like, like almost impossible I feel like <laughs> it's like nationals if you can't like get off the line you're never I feel like that's just I think that's why not that much like me. change being made throughout the race like not that many people are moving yeah. up that often in like a race that big yeah so regionals I managed to like move my way through and I don't know if I was like third or fourth scorer like at the finish but like I was like limping afterwards. it was so bad I had like a peg leg um and then yeah so I didn't run I didn't run that I didn't race nationals and then came home like just probably didn't run for like a month to just rest it and saw my physio who was like yeah like your hip box is like in a bad way um probably don't run for a bit um and then yeah I just kind of like went back to my old like routine with my old coach going down to the club but it just it kind of felt like I was going backwards because I had this expectation that I'd be like in a different place finishing at Oregon and like the kind of I, I don't know I just expected to move forwards and I hadn't so and then the pandemic happened so there was like no structure anyway and I think that was kind of like a blessing in disguise because I only needed to get out the door and run like when I actually wanted to like there was no training happening no one was meeting like I think at the time we were only allowed to like leave the house once a day for exercise and like for other essential reasons so I was like this is the only thing I can do that gets me out of the house so I kind of like used it as an escape and just like easy did easy runs and stuff and then sort of slowly found the enjoyment for it again sort of over 2020. Yeah did you like still have running goals or like what was the motivation? I think I still had just like the tiniest bit of belief that like I could get back to the shape that I was in like when I was running my my bests which was like in that 2018 year so I just kind of like stuck at it for that and just once I started seeing the enjoyment again in sessions and stuff um I guess I kind of like decided I was ready to race again and it like it was slow I feel like it was never like straightforward or like linear that I was like oh this is getting better every week it was like very up and down um and then I changed coaches as well like in the in sort of like September time of 2020 and I think that was like a real big sort of shift because it was just like a different voice a different focus um and I'm still with that coach now and like she's awesome and just yeah it kind of just like changed things up for me yeah I like how you say that it's slow and not linear because I feel like it is just running is so boring and like that it's just so much about consistency and yeah yeah it's never like you're I don't know it's hard to gain motivation every day I feel like it's just you've got to be consistent and then you slowly see like small little gains or whatever but I mean that's good yeah oh we've got <laughs> we've got former teammate Amanda hey. <laughs> former housemate you <laughs> good it's good to see you you need to come back to the U.S. I miss you I'm actually coming to Flagstaff in January so oh, coming back soon yeah okay. okay I need to see you she's gonna pull up the fire <laughs> you gonna do some altitude training <laughs> yeah <much>. yes come <laughs> Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Okay, well, I want to talk about, well, okay, obviously you're doing well now um, and you're racing and everything. And then you started a YouTube channel. 
because I feel like we talk so much about running and I, I also want to talk about YouTube because you're literally popping off on YouTube and I see so many people start channels but your channel is so good like the editing is so well done I'm like geez and so it makes sense that you popped off but like what was the motivation for that um I feel like I've wanted to do it for ages um and like it's so funny actually because when I like found out I was going to Oregon and it was all like really last minute and I had like probably three weeks until I was going out there because they start later than like some of the other schools. I literally like watched so many of your videos to be like. I mean, it makes sense. I would do. I would literally. That's all. Like, first of all, back then there was also no like there was not that much media around Oregon, I feel like. So there was hard to get information, which I feel like my coaches hated that I put it on the Internet because it was more like mysterious back then. And it wasn't that cool to like put a bunch of media out we were like more of a mysterious Oregon you know um yeah so I would do the same thing if I didn't know anything about Oregon I'd be watching YouTube videos all day long so yeah well they were basically all your videos um and it was just so funny because like then I when I got out there I was like meeting the people in your videos which is always like just strange but like <laughs> yeah like meeting but people like that I don't know you wouldn't have had preconceptions of before going out there like Rennie and like I just got such good friends with Rennie and I was like you're just exactly how you are in Emma's videos and it's just yeah that was funny yeah um, <laughs> but yeah I think I think I I wanted to do it for a while but like just I don't know maybe there's like a voice in the back of my head like just kind of like shooting my confidence down to do it um and like we even like made like an Instagram account while I was in Oregon to like try and do like some vlogs and stuff but it just I remember like... that I remember I was in <laughs> it was so bad no it wasn't I remember well maybe it's because I'm like extremely biased but I love the content because <laughs> I'm eating this up it's like I'm still there you know it was like literally me and Anetta like in the airport being like we're traveling back from a meet like there's nothing to say yeah um yeah, I think there was just like no com- no like commitment from either side to be like let's uh like think about what we're filming and what it's going to be as a finished product and like who's going to edit it and stuff like there was none of that. Um and like on the editing front for my channel like I take absolutely zero credit because I don't edit my videos, my boyfriend edits. Them. Okay, literally I was I was watching a video today and I was like, dude, how did you learn to edit like this because I don't have an editor or anyone to edit my videos and I remember like I I I haven't even gotten better since I started like doing YouTube videos because I'm so bad at editing. So it was like either that she's really good naturally at video editing or someone's editing your videos because I'm like these are very like well edited so props to your boyfriend yeah just put out like really awful like hardly edited at all clips when I was in Oregon and then like in like a year and a half I just like became a pro (laughs) hey maybe maybe that's what you studied you know during COVID everyone learned a new skill yeah not really but everyone tried to learn a new skill (laughs) yours is video editing yeah I mean I I know my way around Premiere Pro now like he's sort of taught me how to like cut stuff and like I I like playing around with the sound and like putting music in and stuff but like he yeah he basically does all the heavy lifting and then I come in and like look at it and go "Mm, can we change that and like put this in here like come in for my little like director's cut um but no he's like involved in like the whole process really so like he really encouraged me to to do it because I'd said that I was thinking about it so it's very much like kind of a joint project that like he's there filming a lot of the time and well pretty much all the time and like feeding into the ideas and stuff so it's fun to like I don't know have someone else there I feel like if I just did on my own that it would be nothing like it is it would be so bad (laughs) like 
dude, I swear I need a little YouTube boyfriend. I'm telling you, I need someone to come fi- like film and edit my videos. That would be the dream, you know? It would make it so much like more enjoyable. Doing it by yourself sucks. I don't recommend. Yeah. And he loves editing as well. So it's like, it's the perfect balance. Like he loves sitting down and editing the, the content and stuff. So I'm like, hey, knock yourself out. That's great. Yeah. Oh yeah, go ahead. You you got it. You got it. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. Is like That's what I think people don't really realize about being a YouTuber. It's like, you have to like editing as much as you like filming the videos. Because honestly, filming is the yeah. easy part. Like filming is so easy for me. It's the editing that kind of makes me want to rip my hair out. Um, but some people like <laughs> yeah. your boyfriend love editing. So I feel like you have to find someone that's like that or learn to love it. Um, or else you really yeah. have a good time. But that's nice that you and have it, like, balance yeah I mean it takes so long as well like just never been like it's not been I don't know like the first few videos like nothing was smooth sailing because like you just find out loads of things that don't work or like you figure out that you like like anti-filmed and like didn't actually get the right bits or something um so I don't know it's good that like he just like knows what he's doing (laughs) yeah I mean you found I feel like you've found a lot of success on it pretty fast I feel like I don't know it seems like a very like good progression with everything yeah I don't know I was really surprised to be honest um like put, we put the first video out and like it was like quite a last minute decision because we'd been like talking about it for a couple of months and like thinking oh yeah I should just do it but like we felt like we needed this like really amazing idea to start with but then like figured out that like no just film a video because the first video is going to be absolutely rubbish so like just do it and put it out and it was like our first I like if I ever look back at the first video Dude, like, I can't even so watch bad. my old videos I literally can't watch my old videos and these hurt like the way I'm talking and I'm like dude these are so painful but you make a good yeah. there because I feel like a lot of people do you know they want to get into YouTube especially nowadays whatever but like your first video is never gonna be perfect and everyone has like this huge barrier to mm. you know entering into the YouTube space because they think that they need to have some crazy idea whatever I'm like no you just need to be consistent and put videos out and like you'll learn so much over time with like yourself how to you know edit better or just like what kind of content you like to make and stuff you just have to be consistent and put out a video you know and then go from there so I I like how you make that point because I feel like a lot of people have a mental block thinking that they need to be revolutionary with video number one but that's not true at all yeah and you're so right like you just learn so much from just like making a video like even if you were to just like say okay I'm not going to put this on YouTube but I'm just going to film a video and put it together and get it ready as if I am like you just learn so much from it both in like the filming and like the post process um so yeah it was like just a last minute decision to be like oh well I'm doing this race so like let's just film it and put it out as the first video and then just like yeah decided to like just keep up with it and try and do a video a week like I honestly was surprised that like anyone watched it the first time around and um Daniel my boyfriend was like if if this gets like 100 views then like that's success like just to like set your expectations really low um yeah it did better than that and ever since then like we've just like really enjoyed doing it and it's been like such a fun thing to do um like at the weekends and it makes running more fun as well like I honestly think I think as well that could be a negative thing like in the future I'm aware that like if running doesn't go like to plan like it it you know might not necessarily be the the thing that I really want to do like film a video about it but um I found it like super motivating just like the the people enjoy the content and like the kind of community that you can build on YouTube is like it's just so different to other social media I think 
Oh, for sure. And I had this exact same experience. Cause like I started my YouTube channel going into my senior year at Oregon and I was already like, could feel myself getting burnt out, but it mm-hmm. made running so much more enjoyable for me. I don't know why, cause it was just like something else I could focus on. And then like, also just a way to document your experience. I feel like, and building a community, there was just like so much benefit out of it that was just kind of yeah. unexpected, but I'm honestly not surprised like your videos have done really well because one, I feel like there's not that many females in the running space on YouTube. There's very few actually, which I always encourage people to start a YouTube channel because there's just like so much room for growth and because yeah. like, your videos are good, like they're well edited and there's just like good content and you're good at running. So there's just like many things that like make sense as to why your videos have done really well, but I don't know. It's cool to see people like start channels and be yeah. consistent with it because there's just like so many benefits, I guess, out of it that's makes it really enjoyable. But I guess like, what are some cons and what are some like pros, I guess, out of like now having a little bit of a social media following? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like part that's like part of the reason I started doing it is like, I mean, like you said, there's just not enough women on YouTube, like, especially in the running space. Like we, I'd look at like, try and find kind of like UK content that's like similar to yours. And like, there's no, there's no one like documenting that. And it's mostly like middle-aged white dudes, like, like documenting their training, which is like, I'm sure that has an audience, but like that it gets to a point where there's a lot of that and like nothing else. Um, So yeah, I'm the same. Like I'd love to see more female runners doing it like especially in the UK as well but um yeah pros and cons um like pros like it's just like the enjoyment side of it like both filming the videos and then like appreciating the end product like there's been so many times where we've gone to film a video and we'll be like literally what are we filming this content is just so bad like this (laughs) video is gonna be awful story of my life (laughs) we throw it together and like just like throw it at the wall and we watch it at the end and we're like ah oh, like it's actually all right like yeah it's actually pretty it's good it's never been a time where we've been like no this video is really bad we don't want to put it out even if there's like you know ones that you look back on and you're like that's oh, not the best but like it, you can't expect it every video to be the next best video um so yeah like just enjoying it having fun with it I think it's made me more confident as a person because I just feel like I am being myself and like it, that's fine like, I don't know maybe that was some of the apprehension with doing it is people would be like who do you think you are or like they wouldn't like me but I feel absolutely like no permission to like be liked by everyone anymore like re- you know that doesn't need to be a thing so yeah. I don't know just like I feel like this gets like so like deep but like self like accepting and like just yeah um, just getting more confident through it and like just having fun and then cons, I guess, like putting pressure on videos to like do well or thinking that you've got like a really good idea and it like not doing as well as you wanted to. Like, I feel like it's like any social media, like where it can get addictive and that kind of like instant gratification of like a like or a view, like being the thing that defines success. But ultimately there's an algorithm behind it. And like, if it doesn't, if you know, if, if luck is not on your side because there is luck in it, like that doesn't mean that the video is not good. If you had a great time filming it and you think it's a great video, then like that should be enough. But a lot of the time, you're like, mm, why is it ranked only seventh out of ten? Or like, yeah, you, know, you go deep oh, man, into your analytics. My day though, like when I put out a video and I like actually liked the video and it, it's like eight out of ten in your. You're just view. like, why? Like, <laughs> it makes me want to rip my hair out. 
um yeah, yeah I mean it's, that's like I guess the analytic side like ends up being harder to deal with especially when you like start making money off of it too like yeah know. do you want it to become like your full-time job is that in the cards or do you like your nine to five schedule and stuff um I don't know if I believe that it could be my full-time job at this at this point in time like I think it took me a while to even believe that like it was anything other than just like having fun and making videos and like now it's like very much like a side hustle as well which is really cool um and like Daniel always you know said that that could be a possibility at the start I was like shut up like there's no way I can earn money from this yeah um but like you totally can um I would love for it to be like more of my like work and to like not work full time that's definitely something I want to do in the future to like I don't know have like multiple income streams and just have a bit more flexibility in my life and I think that would also lend itself to being able to prioritize running more as well um so yeah I don't know I feel like I'm maybe on like the journey towards that at the moment through like YouTube and coaching and like other things um which is like super exciting yeah I feel like you have a good attitude about it though too because I feel like a lot of people that also get into YouTube or they want to get into YouTube they also have the idea that they want to um start making a lot of money quick and that's not really how it works and you're gonna get really burnt out quick if you like go in with that attitude of like I need to make a lot of money fast yeah it just comes over time it's like very gradual for most people unless you're like Mr. Beast or something which is (laughs) even gradual I don't know but you know, we're not yeah. making millions of dollars right off the bat. Um, yeah, I think I, mean, I feel like you have just a good head on your shoulders about it, which is nice. As long as the enjoyment is there, like we'll keep making videos, like whether there's money to be earned from it or not, like or whether that like goes up or down. I think if you enter it, like wanting it to be like, you know, the goal is to be a full time YouTuber and like that's all you're focused on and like earning money from it. Like you, yeah, you will get burnt out quicker. And I think like you won't enjoy it as much as well because like as soon as like, I don't know, an activity that you love is only attached to like earning you money, it immediately becomes something that you like you don't enjoy or that you dread. Um, and I definitely don't associate it like in that way. It's nice that there's money to be earned from it, but I feel like it's definitely like an added bonus. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people all the time now are talking about how to like monetize hobbies or like monetize whatever that they do. And I'm like, that's like horrible advice because it really does take a lot of fun out of it and like add just like a layer of stress when money starts to become a part of the picture of like what you, Mm. what your hobby is and everything. And I mean, I've even seen it over time. Like, I don't know, everything that I do started off as my hobby and now it's like my job. And so there is like, obviously I still enjoy it and that's why I do it still. But yeah, I mean, it just becomes a lot more stressful when you start putting pressure on it money-wise and it becomes like a job and a hobby, yeah. a hobby that you do for like fun, you know? So that is interesting, but yeah, I mean, it's nice that you don't have like pressure on yourself to, I don't know have to pay your rent with this money because I feel like it does make it a lot more enjoyable to just do it when you want to and put out what you want to and yeah and even then like I I think like we've kind of just like set kind of like schedule with it and got into a good routine and of being like okay like we'll just release one video a week and film one video a week and like get into that kind of routine and it's not like we absolutely can't deviate from that like if we really had to we would but we're quite good at being like strict with it in the sense that like consistency is important um so like when we went on holiday earlier this year went to Greece and like kind of 
filmed like twice as often for a couple of weeks prior so that we could like have a couple of videos edited and ready to release so that we could like not edit on holiday and like not have to kind of get something ready because it's like stressful if you're like trying to turn it around in a couple of days like you just don't want to do that when you're away like with family but um I feel like it's like a healthy amount where it's not like you know super pressurized yeah oh my gosh good for you literally here I am like this is kind of my vacation <laughs> but here I am recording a podcast at 10 a.m on a Sunday when I'm in Portland <laughs> and at my friend's house see I'm not I'm not good <laughs> at scheduling things out to make sure that I'm not <laughs> overworking myself but I mean this isn't like I my podcast I don't even really categorize as like work because it's literally just like a conversation with someone yeah <laughs> yeah cool well I, I don't want to take up too much of your time but the last question I have for you is like what would you what advice would you give to your younger self um I think just like don't be afraid to like follow your gut and follow your instinct and trust that and like I don't know maybe like running is not as important as you think it is like I think a lot of the times in my life I've kind of like just let running dictate my whole like mood and outlook like if it's not going well then I'm just like depressed and like that just doesn't need to be the case um yeah just like not not take that so seriously and that I don't know because I'm always going to take it seriously you don't need to then put the pressure on it so like just chill out basically yeah no that's good that's good advice it's hard when you're in like a bubble though I will say like yeah for sure when you're surrounded by a bunch of people that where it, it is everyone's life I feel like it's easy to think that it is but yeah I think it like following your gut and doing things for yourself and like for me I know getting myself out of a scenario or like a I don't know just I kind of feel like I've left the running world a little bit and it's helped my mental health because I'm like oh wow like my value to this world isn't just running certain yeah. times or whatever and it's crazy like how much I used to think that not saying that everyone needs to like leave whatever situation that they're in or completely disassociate with people but I feel like yeah I don't know it, it's over the years I feel like I've come to that realization as well where it really you should enjoy it that's like why we all do it and yeah it's hard when you're like in a situation where you feel like it is the only thing that means anything but I promise you it's not so yeah and as well like you know other people don't care I think they do in a good like in the nicest possible way like if you're worried about what people will think like if you quit or like take a break from running or you know change the direction of where you're going like they literally will think about it for like probably five minutes and like you're sit there, sat there like being like oh my god how will they react and they're going to just be thinking about me all the time and it's like no you're not that important like in the, in the nicest possible way yeah it's, it sounds rude to say it but it's very true and it comes like with the internet as well like people don't really care that much because I used to get really down on myself about like YouTube if I'm not posting as often as I want to or like again if I feel like you know things aren't going as well as I want to whatever and I'm like oh my gosh this is so embarrassing and people are gonna think I'm a freak and people are gonna think I'm a weirdo whatever um no one really cares <laughs> even if they're like the people that are commenting on your videos like where's the content or like if they're posting a negative comment like that's like they think about that while they're writing it and then they leave it whereas you read that and then you think about it for like hours and it's just like you don't need to do that yeah exactly well that's good advice but where can people follow you watch your stuff I highly recommend you go check it out good content <laughs> yeah I mean I my handle is the same everywhere so it's just Philly Bowden with one L I'm on YouTube Instagram 
I mean, I have a TikTok, but please don't. I mean, it's, it's really bad. <laughs> I don't, I don't take it seriously, and I actually don't know what my name is on TikTok, so. So don't, so don't go follow me. <laughs> Delete TikTok. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us uh, for this week's episode. But to close out the episode, can we get a good old peace out, fellas? Fellas. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode with Philly. I hope you guys enjoyed our conversation. I love talking to new people who, you know, I've never interacted with before, especially people that have so many commonalities. Like obviously Philly and I both went to Oregon and then now both do YouTube. So it's just fun to learn more about people that are in, I guess my space of career and stuff. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed being a little bit of a fly on the wall for that conversation. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Combs Over Cold Brew Pod if you want to be up to date on the latest episodes and submit listener questions. Also feel free to DM me any guest requests or any ideas that you have for the podcast because I would love to involve you guys more and I just love feedback. So I really appreciate it. Thank you all so much for listening and I will catch you all next week. Peace out fellas. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.